Hello. Welcome to the Myths of the Norse. Chapter 16. Balder. Balder, Odin's son, was the fairest and gentlest of all the Aesir. His sensitive soul became afflicted during the night and he suffered terrible dreams. He writhed and twisted in his bed. He woke and slept and woke and slept. Nothing could soothe him. Every morning he rose from his bed filled with feelings of doom. The Aesir were troubled by the nighttime fears of Balder, and Odin declared he would visit Osiris in Niflheim and find out what it all meant. Odin mounted Sleipnir and rode off towards the land of the dead. When he reached Hell's Hall, he peered in and saw great swathes of the dead. Feeling a chill, he made his way to the resting place of a very wise seer. The ghost of the seer rose from the ground and asked who it was who had dared to disturb her from her resting place and what could possibly be so important that he dared raise her. I am Vegtam the Wanderer, said Odin, and I want to know news of Balder. Ah, Balder, answered the seer, the gods will be filled with despair and Balder will die. He will be slain by blind Hod. Seeress, this is dreadful news. What will be done to Hod and what will happen next? The seeress replied in a serious tone. Odin will get together with Rind and they will have a son. He will be called Vali and he will take his revenge when he's only one night old. Now get away from me. You are not Vegtam the Wanderer. You are Odin, old as time. Ride home now, Odin, and leave me. No one will disturb me again until Loki breaks his chains and Ragnarok is upon us. Odin rode back with a heavy heart. Two things weighed heavily on his mind. How could he prevent the death of his beloved son? And what did the seeress mean when she spoke of Loki breaking his chains? Back in Asgard, Odin relayed what he had learned to the rest of the Aesir. Frigg was distraught and determined to prevent the death of her son. She left the safety of the Aesir's home realm and travelled across all of the Nine Worlds. She extracted an oath from every living thing and every form of matter and energy in the world. Fire and water swore an oath not to harm Balder. Stones and winds gave their solemn word. Trees and flowers, animals big and small, all promised never to harm him. Odin was comforted and the other Aesir joined him in thanks. Then they started to play games. They threw rocks at Balder and tried to cut him with blades. They clubbed him over the head and threw him off cliffs. Every time there was not a mark on him. Nothing seemed to be able to harm him. He jumped up theatrically after every attack, grinning from ear to ear. Soon, Balder assault became the favourite pastime of the Aesir. All enjoyed the game, except Loki. The sly one had become darker, his tricks became nastier and he was trusted even less. Loki looked for an angle. He found one. He changed his shape into that of an old woman and went to see Frigg. He found her alone in a hall. Good morning, said the old woman Loki to Frigg. This is a funny thing. I see the gods hurling rocks and stones at poor Balder. They beat him, club him and stab him, and yet he stands there unharmed and smiling. How is this possible? Aha, answered an unsuspecting Frigg. I have extracted an oath from everything in the world that Balder will not be harmed. Everything? inquired the crone. Really? Everything? Now that is an impressive enterprise. Is there really nothing that was missed? Frigg was getting a bit irritated by the woman asking questions and wanted her to leave, so she uttered unexpectedly fateful words. Well, there's a little bush which grows west of Valhalla. It's called mistletoe. 
I didn't bother with that as it's so young and harmless. The old woman babbled a bit more, but Frigg had stopped listening. She was pleased to see her unwanted visitor hobble away a couple of minutes later. Loki resumed his own shape and grinned an evil grin. Then he travelled west of Valhalla until he found the junior bush. He plucked the largest branch he could find from the innocent plant and fashioned it into a dart. With a fierce determination he strode back to Asgard until he came upon Blind Hod, hanging back from the party of Aesir who were still having their fun with Balder. Why are you not joining in the fun? asked Loki. I'm blind in case you hadn't noticed, and anyway I have no weapon. Well that doesn't seem fair, countered Loki. Here, have this. He pressed the dart into Hod's hand. Hod should have realised he couldn't trust the trickster, but he didn't seem to think. He allowed Loki to guide his arm until he was aiming directly at Balder. He continued to follow the Sky Traveller's lead. He pulled back his arm and launched a throw. The dart arced from his grasp straight towards his invincible brother. It pierced Balder's skin and went straight through him. The gentlest of the Aesir pitched forward and fell on his face. As his friends and family rushed towards him, he didn't move a muscle. When Tyr turned him over, it was clear to all that the unthinkable had happened. Balder was dead. The Aesir were beside themselves with grief. Frigg, of course, was inconsolable. She shouted out her plea. Who will go to hell and ask that Balder be returned to us? Hermod, yet another son of Odin, strode forward. I will go. I'm ready. Hermod was commended for his bravery and boldness. Odin saddled Sleipnir and handed the reins to his son. Hermod mounted the magical steed and looked down at the faces of the gods and goddesses. He glanced over at Balder's body. The sight filled him with resolve and he galloped away on his perilous journey. The Aesir watched brave Hermod ride away and then turned their attention back to their fallen comrade. Balder needed to have a funeral in order to travel to Niflheim so that Hel could release him. If the gods didn't carry out this ceremony, then he'd just remain a lifeless body. It was decided he should be burned on a funeral pyre aboard his ship, Ringhorn, but when they tried to launch the vessel and set the god's body upon it, they found they couldn't move the boat at all. Odin sent a message to Jotunheim, summoning the giantess Herokin. She arrived quickly, riding a wolf and using snakes for reins. Odin summoned four berserker warriors, who took exception to the mighty wolf and killed it. Herokin, meanwhile, gave Ringhorn a mighty shove, and it finally left the land and sailed out to sea. The friction was so great, though, that the ship caught fire. Enough! cried Thor, and gripped Mjolnir, ready to strike Herokin. The giantess just looked at him with pity. Odin restrained the Thunderer, and all was peaceful. The Aesir gathered up the body of Balder and placed it aboard his burning ship. His poor wife Nana could take no more grief, and she collapsed and died there on the beach. Her body was placed next to his on the ship. Everyone was there to mourn Balder. The elves had come and so had the dwarfs. The Aesir and the Farnir and their old enemies the giants all came and grieved together. The Valkyries stood silently and respectfully next to Heimdall, who had come from his watch place to pay his respects. Odin laid the gold ring Draupnir, from which eight rings of equal value dropped every ninth night on his son's body. Many other treasures were added. The last addition was somewhat less planned. A dwarf called Lit had become a bit bored with the whole thing and was running around on the water's edge. 
Thor, unable to control his temper any longer, aimed a kick at the small man. The kick connected with such force the dwarf sailed through the air and landed stone dead on Ringhorn. There he burned along with Balder and Nana. Ringhorn sailed away, going wherever the winds took her. Before long the ship was a burning speck on the horizon. The mourners turned and, one by one, made their ways home. Hermod took nine days to arrive in Niflheim. He reached the bridge over the river Gjol and was stopped by a maiden called Mogrud. She inquired as to who he was, as his arrival had been accompanied by more noise than five troops of dead who had arrived the day before. I am Hermod, son of Odin. I come in search of my brother, Balder. Has he passed this way yet? Yes, came the reply. He has crossed the bridge. Ride on to hell. You still have some distance to go. Hermod spurred Sleipnir onward, faster than ever. Soon he was at the gate of Hell's Hall. He dismounted and entered the gloomy place. Faces, more than he could count, gazed at him. Some were rotting, their flesh falling from their faces. Some gazed at him murderously, and some seemed to stare without seeing. Hermod shivered, and then saw, sitting on a high seat, his brother, Balder. Balder still looked as fresh-faced and handsome as ever. Hermod had to stay in the hall all night. In the morning, Hell emerged through the curtains known as Glimmering Misfortune, having risen from sickbed. Hermod bowed before his hideous host. He told her of the gods' love for Balder and how he'd been taken from them by trickery. He begged for the gentle one to be allowed to return to the land of the living. He told her that everyone, everywhere, without exception, loved Balder. She listened until Hermod had no more words, and then she spoke. I'm not sure the love for Balder is as strong as you say, but I will be fair, I will put it to the test. If everyone and everything in all the nine worlds weeps for Balder, then I will let him return. But if one thing does not weep, then he must remain here in Niflheim. Balder stood up. Silently he took Draupnir from his wrist and gave it to Hermod, telling him to give it to Odin. Nana then gave him a linen robe for Frigg and a gold ring for Fulla. The brothers looked at each other for a moment, and then Hermod nodded and turned and left. Frigg was overjoyed when she heard the news. Messengers were sent out to every corner of all of the nine worlds. Every person, plant, animal and substance professed their love for Balder. All wept for him. Fire wept and water sobbed. The earth wept and the birds, bees and trees wept. Metal wept and stone wept. Every animal, from spiders to snakes to bears to antelopes, all wept for Balder. The messengers scoured the worlds to make sure they had missed nothing and nobody. Eventually, a couple of them stumbled across a cave in which was sat a giantess. What's your name? they asked. I am Thok. We come here to ask you to weep for the poor dead Balder. I will not weep for Balder. I never cared for Odin's son and I have no use for him. Let Hel keep him. The messengers begged and pleaded, but Thok would not be moved. They returned to the Aesir and gave them the terrible news. All had wept for Balder, except the giantess Thok. They were inconsolable, and many of them guessed the truth. Thok was really the shape-changer himself. Loki had condemned Balder to remain among the dead. Odin felt the death of his wonderful son presaged something worse. He could feel that Ragnarok was getting nearer. 
Also, he knew that Baldur had to be avenged. Hod may have committed the deed after being tricked, but he had killed his own brother and he would have to pay with his life. Odin knew the first part of the prophecy of the seeress had come true, despite their best efforts to stop it. The Allfather realised he had to make the rest of it happen as she had said it must. Odin travelled to see Rind. A few months later, a child approached the Bifrost Bridge. Heimdall called out, No child with unwashed hands and unkempt hair can cross the bridge. I will cross, and I will see Odin the Allfather, replied the child. He seemed to speak with such certainty and such authority that Heimdall let him pass. As soon as Odin saw the boy, he knew who he was. He turned to the Aesir. This is Vali, son of Rint and I. He was conceived and born to avenge the death of the gentle Baldur, who is a companion of Hell still. The boy looked at the gods and goddesses around him. I am but one night old, but soon I will be fully grown. Then I will slay Hod, the killer of Baldur. Even as they watched, the Aesir could see Vali turning from a boy into a youth. Later that day he was a young man. They looked on as he strode out of the hall into the woods. Desolate and without comfort, he strode around with no purpose. He could not even grant himself any forgiveness for the killing of Baldur, and he knew the required vengeance would soon be upon him. It was almost a relief when he heard his name being called. Slayer of Baldur, your time has come. A moment later, an arrow flew through the air, followed by another and then another. All three struck their target, and Hod fell dead to the ground. Vali cried out once the deed was done, and the Aesir came running. Where once had been a small boy, there now stood a towering warrior. Beneath him was the dead body of Hod. Nobody celebrated. Hod had to die, but he was innocent of any crime. A solemn funeral was held for him, and he crossed the bridge into Niflheim. When he got there, Baldur greeted him. Hello, my dear brother. Hello, my dear brother. Helheim has lost some of its sorrows now that you are here. I know it wasn't you who caused my death. We are together again, and will be until Ragnarok. Then we will rise, and maybe we will see the light of day again. And maybe they will. But next time, we will see Loki finally get his comeuppance. If you're enjoying the podcast, please go to www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com. There you will find a donation button. This podcast is free, and it always will be free, but any donation to help with hosting costs is, of course, most welcome. If you'd like to ask me a question, or just leave feedback, then contact me by email mythandhistory at gmail.com or friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. Also, if any of you do get the podcast through iTunes, I would be very grateful if you could go and leave me a good review. This helps with publicising the podcast and gaining new listeners. OK, thanks for that. Have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.